Welcome to Gold with Jeanette Schneider, nuggets of inspiration for a bigger, better, more purposeful life. Each week we share wisdom, insights, and gold from those living their very best lives. After 23 years in finance, I left my executive role to advocate for women and girls in life, love, the boardroom, and the marketplace. Now the CEO of Live Media, I am thrilled to create wellness-based content and technologies to help you level up and become more conscious of your ripple. The Live app launched Christmas Day for Apple iOS. This is purposeful content, big conversations, and a beautiful place for us to share our gold, our dreams, and create community. Gold is a Live Media production brought to you from the sound studio at the Live headquarters. David Trotter believes you are divinely created and have a unique purpose in this world. After experiencing his own rock bottom after many years as a pastor, his true life calling came into view. In this episode, we talk about the difference between a rock bottom and a rock middle, why self-awareness is incredibly important, and how to get your needs met in both an unselfish and highly empowered way. David Trotter is an author, speaker, transformation coach, and host of Inspiration Rising, a podcast dedicated to inspiring women and the men who support them to rise up in life, love, and leadership. He is the author of Empowered to Rise, The Secret to Embracing Your True Identity, Uncovering Your Superpowers, and Bringing Your Inspiration to the World. And through his Launch Your Life coaching program, he helps women and men overcome difficult life transitions and develop a workable plan to make lasting changes. For over 25 years, David has helped people get unstuck, clarify their goals, and take their lives to the next level through his leadership, speaking, writing, and filmmaking. David and his wife, Laura, have been married for over 25 years and live in Southern California with their two almost grown kids. Let's dig in. Hi, this is Jeanette Schneider, and I am joined today by David Trotter, the author of the book, Empowered to Rise. Thank you for joining me today, David. Uh, Jeanette, it's an honor to be with you. Thank you. Wonderful. So we find ourselves having an interview at a very interesting time in our history. Um, when the world is kind of uh, having an opportunity, they're calling it the great pause and time and opportunity to really kind of understand um, who we are. And I just found it really interesting because so much of your work is based on um, understanding our true identity. And I think of the word identity as being so layered and interesting. Um, We sometimes have uh, built it up based on a, a job a title, a role, the way our family has interacted with us. And in your book, as I read through it, um, it's truly kind of taking away those layers and understanding who we were truly um, destined to be and understanding what that is. I feel like a lot of people are doing that right now. They're really getting clear on what's really important. So I'm curious for you, from your perspective, um, why do you think it's so valuable for us to understand our, our story of origin and what our true identity is. The challenge is if we don't embrace our true identity, we will create an identity based on external things that we will use to prop ourselves up, to make us feel uh, better, to make us feel enough, to make us Mm -hmm. feel whole. And unfortunately, those external things can be here today and gone tomorrow. I mean, none of us would have ever envisioned that our job would just evaporate overnight because of some random virus. Like, that's like unheard of. Like, it's like a science fiction movie, right? And yet it's gone. You know, somebody's job could be gone or hours could be cut or relationships could be 
um, severed in different ways. And unfortunately, when those things go away, it causes us to question deeply, well, who am I really if I'm not that role, right? If that role is now gone or that relationship is different or um, if I don't have access to these financial resources or now all of a sudden my education doesn't mean anything because of X, Y, Z. Um, that's when we have to ask ourselves, well, who am I deep down? Who am I inside? And I call that our true identity. I love that. I feel like this has given us an opportunity to do this introspection and blame it on something else, right? Rather than getting fired from a job and being like, I'm not valuable or whatever, like the, all the things that would have been like a real punch to the ego, right? It's almost kind of like we're getting this soft opportunity it's to just happen to everybody. Yeah. We're, we have an opportunity to reflect um, from a space where it's like, okay, this is happening to everyone. And what's really important to me, and I know from reading your book and from looking over your history, faith is a big part of your life. And while I don't talk a lot about faith on my platform, it's also a very big part of my life. Um, I am a deeply spiritual person. I have my own relationship with my my God, my higher power, whatever um, makes sense to whomever is listening. And I know that that's one of the things that you first want people to connect with is that there's something that has created them, made them, what have you. Um, why do you think it's important for people to connect to this higher power, um, whatever they may call it, in order for them to get perspective? Yeah, well, for me... Um, that true identity is rooted in having been created by the divine, or as you would say, higher power, God, goddess, um, source, whatever it might be. Um, if I have an understanding that I came from somewhere else, I did not um, dream up this life, I did not choose to be here on my own, but that there is something greater than myself greater than the universe that is behind all of this, and I was created by that entity, um, I believe that we all have what I call a divine imprint, that there is an imprint of the divine in us. I tell a story in the book that um, is you know, important to me is my grandfather, after 30 years in the military, um, he retired as a master chief in the Navy. He took up woodworking, and he created a small woodworking shop in San Diego out of their one car garage. And as a kid, I would come out from Kentucky and have the opportunity to work with him. And he made uh, just our close family members some extraordinary pieces of oak furniture as a, a gift many years ago. And he would never sell the furniture because it was too valuable. It was something that, that he only wanted to give away to people that he loved. And after he had design the furniture. And I'm actually looking at some in my office. I'm looking at an oak bookcase. I'm looking at a huge oak roll top desk that um, the two kids and the three grandkids all got one. After he was done creating it, sanding it, putting it together, putting the final touches on, he would pull out a wood burning um, device and he would stamp in a place on the object that you couldn't necessarily see. You'd have to turn it over. You'd have to look for it. And it said handcrafted by E.B. Trotter. And it was his imprint that the object was made in his image. Like he made it. He had an imprint. His fingerprints are all over the object. And he wanted people to know this was his seal of approval. It was done complete whole. And for me, that vision is how I see the divine in our lives. 
that each of us have that divine imprint that is the stamp from source, from universe, from the divine that says, you are whole, you are good, you are loved, you are inspired, you are enough, you're complete. And when I embrace that reality, it changes my identity from the one who has a master's degree, the one who has a fancy car, the one who has a nice house, the one who has the nice clothes or shoes or watch or jewelry or new boobs or whatever. I don't have new boobs, by the way. (laughs) I got the, I got the (laughs) inference. But uh, all of those things, right, are externals that can prop us up and give us an identity. But yet it's that imprint within us that tells me I am loved, I'm enough, I'm inspired. When I embrace that and live from that place, there's a deep sense of resonance and wholeness. And now I'm not in my best moments. I'm not trying to prove myself by these Mm -hmm. outward things. And for me, the way that I tried to do that was through accomplishments. Up until probably about 12 years ago, I was really driven and a workaholic um, toward those accomplishments. And that was my way of creating an identity. And unfortunately, it it uh, it kind of fell apart on me, and um, I had to rebuild my life, relaunch my life, as I say. And part of that was me asking the question, "Who am I? Who who am I really?" I love that. I think it's so interesting because I I've noticed, you know, I I went through those moments right where it was like the amazing job with the fancy title, and it was the beautiful car, and it was the incredible trips, and multiple times my life has kind of like popped me in the head and been like, nope, that's not it. Um, that, you know, we went through the Great Recession. And during that period of time, I lost 40% of my income overnight and had to actually uh, cause great financial struggle for me and my husband. And I remember thinking like, I don't, I, I never want to forget this, but I didn't learn the lesson. And then, you know, come years later, my husband and I decide that it's time, you know, we're, we're going to get divorced. And I went through another period of surrender what was really interesting about this one, though, is I, I, I kind of died to all of the fancy things. Like I had this enormous house. It was yellow and it had white shutters and it had rabbits that lived in the bushes. And as far as I was concerned, this is where my daughter was going to come home from college. And it was just it was our family home. And I had to sell that home through the divorce and move into a tiny little like cottage like house. that It was just me and my daughter. And I remember the one time, the one experience I had that brought me back, I think, to faith for me and recognizing where my value was missing, where I didn't recognize my worth. Um, I was on a yoga mat in a, in a class, and all of a sudden, it was my first introduction, I think, to meditation. And I had just like had the, the class was done. I had just been wrung out. I was laying on the mat, and all of a sudden, I felt like there was something there with me. And I wasn't alone and it wasn't the people next to me. Like I felt a sense of being held. And I remember I would go to these yoga classes because I was broken and I would go and just be like, I'm not going to force myself to have an amazing yoga class. This is for me to rebuild myself. And at the end, um, when I felt this presence, I said, what do I need to know? And what I immediately got back was you are loved. And I just started bawling because I didn't realize that I had separated myself from the viewpoint that I was a lovable human being. And I had put all of my value in things and titles. 
And so that began like my own kind of journey. And I think it's so interesting when we have these these watershed moments where we recognize um, our true identity or the fact that we're loved or the fact that we are worthy or we have grace, we have a tendency to look at who we are and how we're giving back in a very different way. So not immediately, but about four years after that happened, I ended up leaving a two-decade-long career in finance with a fancy title to start this project. (laughs) And people thought I was crazy. But you move into your purpose work. And that's one of the things that I thought was really interesting about your your premise is like so many people are kind of we we're in these clouds maybe of um we're we're not connected we're not fully aware of who we can become and then you have these moments where you get clear what do you find with the people that you coach or that read your book or that you talk to as they start to come into this worthiness and recognize who they are what do you see happening with them well it's like I mean, it's like a flower almost that opens up and blossoms. You know what I mean? It's just this beautiful picture. And it's also this feeling of openness rather than closedness. I think that um, in those times of questioning, most often, at least with the women that I work with, it's during a, a child is transitioning to either middle school or college because now she is needed in a different way. And it's a questioning of identity of like, well, geez, am I still a mom? Am I, you know, what, what is my role? Um, it could be during a separation or divorce. It could be during a health crisis or during a job that's, you know, really not uh, satisfying anymore. And it's during that questioning, it's the ability to ask the question, what if? What if life could be different? And and not the what if, the backward looking what if that's the negative what if, like what if I wouldn't have gotten married? What if I wouldn't have had kids? What if I wouldn't have left my job? It's the what if I could actually experience a relationship that felt intimate and connected? Mm-hmm. What if I could have a relationship with my kids that felt reciprocal and fun and playful and amazing and rich? What if I could have a job or vocation where I was feeling like there was deep meaning and purpose alongside, you know, generating income. Um, And those questions of what if, you know, when we've been beaten down or we don't believe in ourselves or we question our identity so much, we lose the ability to dream. We lose the ability to say what if. And all those things are, are kind of shut off from us. And it's more about just getting through day to day or the surviving or you know, making it through till five or six o'clock until we can have that glass of wine or making it through the weekend so we can actually do what we want to do. That's not a life that I want for people. I want life. I want people to live a rich, meaningful, intentional life. And unfortunately, it does oftentimes um, come through painful experiences. Uh, but it's through that painful experience, I believe, if we have the right people around us and we have an openness we can shift from the what if I wouldn't have done that to what if it this is possible. And that dreaming opens the flower up, right? It just becomes so beautiful. And uh, it's fun to see people go through that process. Today, Gold is brought to you by Live Media and the Live Pocket Coach, available on the Apple App Store now. Not only is Live Like a Life Coach in your pocket, but we have coaches in 3D as well. With our most recent upgrade, you can sign up for one-on-one coaching with a person on the phone who will hold you down, hold you accountable, and offer you perspective 
as you build your big, bad, beautiful new life. Apple users can sign up for our Premium Plus plan through the app or check out our next level and mastery options at loveisviral.com forward slash coaching. Android users, we haven't forgotten about you. Live Coaching is available to you as well. Just reach out to us at dearlive at loveisviral.com and we'll fill you in on all the ways Live can create with you. Live Pocket Coach, welcome to your life. I agree. And I, I would say there, there is some pain to it, right? There, there are moments there's growing pains. There's kind of like Uh-oh. the dying of maybe to your old identity. And one of the things I've shared with people as they start to move through this process, I'm like, don't be scared because the other side is so amazing. It's so beautiful. And that doesn't mean that you don't have hard times in the future. It just means that you have a better toolkit from which to operate. And uh, one of the things that I love is that playing in that what if and what would it take? Because I think sometimes making the choice to change your life people don't realize that's it that's it that's just a moment you can make a moment at any point in time in your day in your life and say I want different and what would it take in order for me to lean into a life worth living and sometimes that means the uprooting of relationships and sometimes that means a career change and people might think that you're crazy and you have to kind of restack the deck of uh, of, of those who are um kind of spurring you on and 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 recognize that sometimes for things to grow sometimes things have to fall away um but what I've loved is when people get to that place where all of a sudden it's like I'm not doing this anymore and it's not the look back it's the look forward and that it's almost like they're making a decision towards their future self right like they're they're kind of bridging that and I just think that that's a beautiful place for people to operate from I think for me the um the thing that I hope for many people is that they can come to that decision before they make a decision that is um, unhelpful in their life. Because so many of us, if we get stuck and we are not satisfied with whether it's a job relationship, you know, uh, whatever it might be, that we end up making decisions that are um, unhealthy for us. And for me, that's what I did 12 years ago. I was actually, I had been a pastor for over 10 years and uh, was helping people. And yet I was a workaholic and finding that my identity was wrapped up in how big I could grow the church and how many people I could help. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately that, that really, um, impacted my mental health and my relationship with my wife. And, and, uh, I, uh, you know, I actually chose to have a, uh, an affair 12 years ago. Um, that was my way of finding someone who would validate me. Mm. and make make me feel whole and make me feel enough. And unfortunately that, that just all, you know, fell apart, hit the fan, use all the metaphors. And, um, my wife and I, uh, were, um, able to weather that dark year of our life. And, um, we've been married, it'll be 26 years in May. Um, but it's through that process that I, had to ask myself, man, who am I? Is this what I really want to be doing? Is this um, what's healthy for me and my family? And, you know, it, it, uh, as someone who had held the title of pastor for over a decade, and then mm-hmm. you walk away from that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. That, my, that's, my father, that's my father was a minister and he, uh, he went through a, almost a kind of like a, uh, they they referred 
to him as being deleted. <laughs> ah. And when you have lived your life in the service of other and that becomes who you are and you're looked to to solve others' problems and build a flock, it does. And from my experience and what I'm hearing from you, it, it, there is an egoic um, identity that's part of that that seems to be really beautiful Right. But at the same time, like I'm curious from your perspective, like when you went through that and when you decided to walk away and went, th you went through your affair, were you consciously aware of the fact that this was like feeding an identity or an egoic need? Were you aware of that or was it just kind of like things just kind of crumbled? You know, I knew that I, I, I have known for a long time in my life that the two biggest lies that I am prone to believe is that I'm not enough and that people don't like me or want to be with me. Mm. And so by wanting to help others genuinely, right? And I think we all have mixed motives in all that we're doing. Um, unfortunately for me, wrapped up in that desire to help others was if I can grow this church to be bigger and better and fancier and help more people, then I'll finally be enough. And unfortunately it, it didn't work. Like the church did grow. I did have, you know, three locations and a dozen staff and, you know, I'm growing this thing and yet I'm miserable. I'm because mm -hmm. I'm striving. I'm, it's this sense of not service, but striving to try to build something. And when that didn't work and I did not have the skills or the tools, I couldn't walk away from the vision because if I walked away from the vision, I would be a failure. I would be saying, I can't do it. I can't handle this. And so rather than just finding a way to make a, a healthy transition, I found a back door that allowed me to exit in a real unhealthy way and bl just mm -hmm. blow the whole thing up. And, yeah. um, that's the part that I want to, as much as I can with people. And you, I can't prevent that from other people from making decisions because we do that, whether it's through food, drugs, alcohol, sexuality, um, spending, gambling, whatever it might be, we turn to those things and kind of blow our lives up in different ways. I would love to help people prevent them from doing that and say, no, 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 you don't have to get to that place. Um, you can, instead of hitting rock bottom, you can hit rock middle, right? You can choose... <laughs> You can choose your bottom in the 12 step world. They actually talk about like, this could be your bottom if you mm -hmm. choose it, or you can keep going down lower. Like you can keep going deeper in whatever it is that you're struggling with. So uh, this could choose, this could be the bottom of whatever challenge you're in life and go, uh, okay, what are the tools that I need? What are the skills that I need to develop? How do I need to process why I'm doing this. Wow. Okay. I'm doing this because I feel like I'm not enough. Where did that come from? Okay, great. Mm -hmm. How can I, um, embrace that I am enough? How can I, um, how can I move in that direction? I was just having a conversation with one of my close friends, um, yesterday and she was asking me, she goes, what's your core message that people really resonate with? You know, especially the women that are, that you coach and work with. And I said, the number one thing that people resonate when I share it is you are enough. And I said, and the reason why they resonate with that message is because it's the number one message that I need to hear personally. Mm. Right. Because it's the deepest place in my heart that needs to be um, healed and transformed 
and continual, continually uh, spoken life to. Um, but I find that so many of us need to know that we are enough, not because of anything we've done, not because of anything we will do, not because of anything um, we can muster up, but because the divine has said, you're enough. I've created you. You're loved. You don't have to do or be anything else to be loved or enough. It's so interesting. So I wrote a book um, in 2018, and one of the things I said specifically was, you are born perfect. Everything that came next was information. And I truly feel that we have created all of these systems and structures and ways of living and believing that there is right and wrong, um, culturally, socially, what have you, in order to keep people in line, right, in control. And so it's almost like this shirking. It's, it's like this forgetting of perfection, this forgetting of um, who we are. And it's like you have to find this road back to yourself. But even those that are in the self-development space, we're constantly and continually working. Like I wrote the book, and right after I wrote the book, I faced some really challenging things in my life. And I had people close to me saying, did you not just write a book about this? <laughs> and it was, I was like, ah, you know, and then I, I build out this, this platform on mindfulness and all of these things. And I'm struggling with my tools and I just, and it's because we're human and we're constantly growing and evolving. And I almost feel that sometimes those who are in service are also learning with the people that they're helping you're learning and growing and just learning how to be almost like this container and this, this place um, of observation. And I'm curious, you know, from your perspective, how valuable, like for me, um, and I want to frame this, I, I am at a place of self-awareness where I have a desired state and I know when I am in this desired state. And anytime I feel that I start to shift out of this desired state, that immediately there's questions that come with that. It's, what is this trying to tell me? Why does this feel this way? Why am I, am I angry towards this person? And it's never a, a blame. I've moved out of blame. I don't, I don't blame or shame. There's always this act of curiosity and observation where it's like, how have I moved from this state and what can I learn from this? How important do you think that is for people to get to a place of self-awareness in order for them to really embody who they're supposed to be, the path that they're on to become empowered and inspired. Um, what what role does that play? It is foundational. Yeah, it's absolutely foundational. Um, it's it's you know in the process of knowing your identity, it becomes really glaring the parts that we have tried to make our identity, um, mm -hmm. the things that we've tried to use to prop ourselves up, and the way that we treat others. You know, the way that we interact with others, I think it's a lifelong process of increasing that self-awareness. Um, I would also say, you know, my parents are uh, 70 and I'm 47 and I'm of a Gen X generation where psychology and therapy have become the norm. Whereas the previous generation, they would have been on the front end of that type of self-awareness in the 60s and 70s. And so part of it is a generational opening up of our minds of thinking about how we live life as opposed to just um, being responsible and doing the right thing, which is more the previous generation. Um, and so 
uh, part of that is um, me passing that along to my kids. And as my kids, who are 17 and 20, question me and ask hard questions and push back, it causes me to go, oh, man, my own self-awareness, right? Having kids is the is a huge way to have all of my glaring <laughs> uh, selfishness highlighted. Mm-hmm. I mean, the moment my kid stepped into the world, I'm the most selfish person ever because I'm like, gosh, can't these, ugh, this thing just like wants to eat, poop, pee, and sleep. And this is like taking over my life. I want to go back to hanging out with my friends. Um, kids are so powerful and making uh, me open my eyes to my own shortcomings. Uh, and same thing with uh, a partner, a spouse. I've been married to my wife now almost 26 years. She's the number one tool in the world uh, that shows me that I'm not perfect or that I have challenges. She is the um, a path toward healing. She's a path toward um, enlightenment, helping me, if I'm willing to, see those glaring areas. Yeah, she, absolutely. I love that. And I think it's so important that you, like, we have to have that perspective, right? Rather than looking at our relationships as like, oh, these kids trigger me and oh, my relationship, oh, why does he do this and why does he do that? It's so funny because I feel like when I wrote my book, I was, I had written a chapter on relationships that was terrible. It was a terrible chapter. And my publisher came to me and was like, this chapter is terrible. And I was like, I know because I've never been in a healthy relationship. And so he was like, I need you to do research because like it has to be in the book based on the foundational elements of the book. Yeah. But you got to figure out like you got to, this is where you teach and you learn. This isn't where you, you know, you've got to figure it out. So I did a lot of research and um, I figured out who I wanted to become in relationships and then started looking for a partner who would embody that with me. And we did an amazing, an amazing job. My partner has been with me every step of the way. We've been together over two years now. And it's funny because as we go through this pandemic and I'm seeing more like controlling aspects of my personality that aren't as, um, as evident when things are good, Sure. Um, and I'm in survival mindset and I'm trying to control everyone and everything around me. Yeah. It's kind of interesting because I look at him and rather than being annoyed, it's more like that act of curiosity. Like, what am I learning from you right now? What am I learning in our interaction? And thank you for having patience with me while I learn these things about myself. And with, with kids, it's so funny because I think it's, it's really interesting because it does show you, especially when there are these conscious conversations about how the world should work or friendships and relationships and where you kind of get to see what you believe versus what you were taught. Like that's been really fascinating for me is like, do you just vomit up the same rhetoric that you were told or from this new inspired place, are you building the next generation of more conscious human beings? And that's been really fascinating because it requires so much thought and effort. I was telling a friend one time about a conversation we had over dinner and she's like, don't you get tired of having to do so much thinking? And I was like, yeah, I do. But raising children in this conscious way and having these conversations to equip them, it's like you feel like you're giving something forward, right? Like it's it's like they're going to, I feel bad for their husbands because <laughs> They're going to be like, but what did you mean by that? <laughs> um, they're going to have, they're going to be equipped, right? They're going to have to find some conscious husbands. But um, I just think it's like, it's such a, if you can look at your relationships 
and this is the impression I get from this, what you're saying is that it's almost like a laboratory, right? It's your life and your relationships are truly a living laboratory. And as long as you aren't in a state of rigidity where you believe everything that you say and do and feel is correct and are willing to take the lesson, I think that it's such a beautiful place for growth. Yeah. I mean, here's a great example. Uh, I am a very direct person by nature mm-hmm. um, and very intense, and I don't even realize it. And I, I didn't become aware of that probably till college. And um, I've been working on that for my, you know, entire adult life. And just even this past week, we were gathered in our living room. I don't even remember it was after dinner or something. And my wife was talking to me about making a decision on a vacation later this year. And she said, I think we should wait until we see what's going on or whatever. And I uh, said back something of the nature of, yeah, that's what we talked about. Like, that's how I'm thinking that I'm saying it. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. how we, yeah, that's what we talked about. And she didn't hear it that way. And that's because I didn't say it that way. Uh, you know, I said probably something more to the nature of, yeah, I mean, that's what we already talked about. And mm-hmm. uh, she's like, whoa. And then my daughter, who's 20, I and, you know, it became this family conversation where my wife said, well, yeah, but that's not really how you said it. And my daughter goes, yeah, it was the tone. And I'm like, Oh man. And so now I'm in this moment and I'm trying to just get through it. And then the next day, my wife and I are taking a walk on the beach on Saturday morning, like we do. And she said, man, I got to tell you, I really felt, um, belittled by you in that moment. And, you know, your tone was really intense and, you know, she went ahead and, and, uh, no defensiveness on my part. And I, because it, this is not to the place. It's like you said, information. I know I have a tendency to be too direct or in those moments when I feel triggered or if I feel uh, um, in some way, um, I don't know, like there's an awkward moment there where I'm feeling triggered and I say something. I know that that's the case. So now when she comes to me and says it, she's not telling me new information. This is old information. And I feel Mm -hmm. bad. I feel um, compassion. Right. And I just go, man, I, I apologize. I apologize. Yeah. I take full responsibility for that. And it's something I continue to work on. And uh, I'm sorry. I did not want to make you feel that way. So anyway, um, that's just to say I'm in the midst of it too, right? I'm in the midst of those challenging conversations. That's my way of of uh, dealing with it is to take responsibility and then say, okay, how can I make amends? How can I move forward? How can I do better? I love that. I have a um, one of our contributors is she refers to it as radical responsibility. And I absolutely adore it because it requires some bravery and some humility, you know, because I think our natural inclination, especially with the people that are closest to us is just be like, Oh my God, you're being too sensitive. Like, you know, like, you know, how I, how I talk, like this is the same old fight. And I think it's really interesting when we get to a place where it's like, you can hear what your partner is saying and not from a place of reactivity, but, take responsibility for their experience. And that's one of the things that we've been having a conversation about in our house, especially with little people. It's like you have to take responsibility for, um, even if you didn't mean to, it's a lot of, well, I didn't mean that. Well, you didn't mean it, but you also have to be aware of the container, right? You have to be aware of how it's received. And um, 
a lot more intentionality. But I love the idea of taking radical responsibility, not only um, in in recognizing the negative. And, and someone argued, and I'd be curious what you think about this. Someone argued the other day because I referred to having both positive and negative aspects of your personality. And it, it was really interesting because she was like, let me challenge you to think of them as being net neutral. They are all parts of who you are. And so many of the things that you consider negative also are survival, right? Mm -hmm. They're survival tactics. They are based possibly some of them on trauma or bad experiences or your own negative emotions and feelings. They're not bad. They're simply who you are. But if we are more aware of all traits and aspects of our personality, we learn how, okay, this is that part of my personality that doesn't quite come across as well as I want it to, but will save me in like a dangerous situation. Like maybe I dial this one back. What's your opinion? Do you feel like, how do you think the, um, the paradigm of our, our personality should be viewed as we're trying to figure out who we are? Yeah, I would probably term it more like helpful or unhelpful. Mm. So my intenseness, um, if you want to negotiate for a car deal, let me tell you, I'm the guy that you want to take. Mm -hmm. uh, if you want something, uh, justice to be like, like you need justice in a situation, I'm the guy that you want on your team. Mm -hmm. uh, if you want somebody to believe in you with deep passion, I'm there. Uh, if you, um, if you want me to be like ultra sensitive in the moment, uh, like without having to prepare, Eh, I'm probably, it's probably not a, that, that part of my personality is not very helpful. So, mm -hmm. um, I have a friend who always says, um, asked a question, uh, how do I get what I want? All right. Not in a selfish way, but in a genuine way. Um, well, let's see, what do I want in my relationship with my wife? I want to be connected. I want to feel like we're partners. We are partners. I want to feel, um, intimate. I want to feel, uh, close. Okay, so will that intense style of communication, does that get you those results? Does that help you get those results? Well, not really. No, it doesn't. Like, it helps me prove a point. Okay, well, does that really get you what you want ultimately? Do you, is proving a point what you ultimately want in your relationship? Well, not really. No. Okay, yeah. well, then how do you get what you want? How do you develop those skills and tools to get what you want in life? Sometimes those parts of my personality can be very helpful in getting me what I want. Other times they're not as helpful. And so how did I put that tool back on the tool belt? Like a lot of us, you know, especially those of us who are more intense, we have like one or two tools on the tool belt. And one is like a sledgehammer and one's like a <laughs> jackhammer, right? And it's like everything looks like a nail, like blah, 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 right? Like how do we do? Put that tool back and try some other tools. What are some other tools that might get you what you really, really want in life? I love that. That's, I mean, it's such a, so we, I'm very um, versed in choice theory and that's part of it is like there's basic needs and we all need our needs met, not in a selfish way, but how do you do that in a productive way? Especially when you're, when you're living life alongside other people who are having their own whole and human experience um, and realizing like everyone's not beholding to yours. So I just, I think that's so valuable. Um, I'm so, I, I, I'm curious. So I have a couple of questions that I ask everyone. I want to ask you based on your experience. Um, if you were to give advice to your younger self based on the experiences you've had to date, what advice, how old first, how old would you be? And secondly, what advice would you give? Mm, I would probably say I would be 18 
And I would say find ways and find people to help you enjoy the journey. Uh, enjoy how, how do you figure out a way to enjoy the journey of life rather than pushing and striving uh, so much? I love that. I, so at the end of, um, my grandparents' lives and a client of mine who was elderly, I sat, you know, with them prior to their passing. And that was one of the key messages is that it's about the relationships in your life and the striving, after material things and success and what have you, and even the arguments that we have are not as important as the people who are next to you um, throughout your life and at the end of your life. So I think that's a valuable, such a valuable message. Um, if you were to be transitioning from this world and wanted to leave behind some gold nuggets of wisdom or inspiration, what would they be? Well, I'm going to die when I'm 100, Jeanette, just so you know. <laughs> I love that. Good for you. I, I've got 53 years left. I'm not even halfway done. I've got a long life ahead of me. You're not even midlife. I love it. Right. I know. Yeah. And so uh, I told my wife, I go, just so you know, I'm going to live to 100. And I'm going to die that night. So just put me to sleep that night and know I'm, I'm done. Um, I've hit the, hit the goal line. You know, I, I would tell uh, people, um, you have to be intentional. You know, whatever it is that you want out of this life, the hoping, the wishing, the dreaming is all fine, but there's got to be a level of high intention and action in order to cultivate whatever it is you want, whether it's certain types of relationships, a business, um, education, physical health, whatever it is, there's got to be intention and um, intention on a daily basis. That's what's allowed Amen. me to do what I do. Yes. I think that's so valuable as well because of the fact that there are so many people who kind of, they say their prayers, they do their mantras, they, they believe the vision board, but then they, they, they stop just short of the intentionality and the action. And it's so incredibly important to incorporate those, those active steps into your life. It's almost like the, the, the road rises to meet you when you take that first step. And it kind of starts to, to come back your way. Um, I have really enjoyed our conversation today. And I really enjoyed your book. I actually have, there's these little cards that you have that are the um, uh, the empowerment cards with a, a manifesto as well as some I am statements, which I think are so valuable to help people kind of um, speak to that inner flame within themselves. If they want to follow you or find you, where should they go? Yeah, well, our website is insporising.com. Uh, the book Empowered to Rise is available on Amazon as well. But the podcast, Inspiration Rising podcast and uh, resources are all at insporising.com. And that's where uh, social media is as well, all at insporising. I love it. Thank you so much for being with me today. I really appreciate you. Yeah, Jeanette, it's been great to be with you. Thank you so much for joining us today. I love David's reminder that hopes and dreams are great, but intentionality and action are where the magic becomes felt. You can find David and his podcast at insporising.com and follow him on social at insporising. As always, please subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and don't forget to share with your friends. You can find me on Instagram at either ms.janetteschneider or the live movement at loveisviral.media or live at loveisviral.com. Get deep in the work with me to uncover your messaging before you pass it on to your children or the people you influence. Order my book, Lore, Harnessing Your Past to Create Your Future, available on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com.
Until next time, in the words of my grandma, love each other every day.